Before diving into this episode, we'd like to bring an interesting fact to your attention. A whopping 80% of our listeners are missing out on the thrilling adventure you're about to listen to because they haven't hit that glorious follow button yet. But here's where things get really interesting. Hitting that follow button might just transport you into some other dimension, like it happened for Player. Picture this. You, dear listener, getting transported into the very essence of our podcast. Okay, okay, we can't guarantee it, but who knows what wondrous possibilities await. All right, enough suspense. Buckle up, because the fun is about to kick into high gear. Welcome to Uncharted Territory, a podcast that takes you on an epic adventure into a world where anything is possible. In this series, we follow the story of a fast food worker who has a passion for an RPG game. He has been playing it since... forever? But his life takes a drastic turn when a mysterious update pulls him into the game itself. As he battles for his life, he discovers secrets that will rock his world and change his fate. This is Episode 9, Ready for the Night. Dirt wall replaced. Oars smelted. Anvil crafted. Body dead. With what little energy I had remaining, I went around chopping down some of the nearby trees until it got dark. The end result was having enough wood to build a few more rooms. But I didn't yet. Instead, I built a new table and chair for the bonus room that previously only existed so that guide would have a door to open and close. Then, I realized something. While in the cave, I didn't gather more spider silk. That meant I couldn't make a bed. That meant me and Guide were sleeping in chairs or on the floor again. Because in the game, only a table, chair, and light source were required for a room to count as a space for NPCs to live in. They never slept in the game, so they didn't need beds. Having a bed was also important for the player to use to set a spawn point. Not that the feature mattered much to me, given that I was set to permadeath. Gathering more silk completely slipped my mind, and I couldn't have felt any more stupid than I did for making such a simple mistake. What's... what's wrong? Guide asked, placing a hand on my shoulder. I forgot to get more silk so I could make us beds, I answered. Oh! Well, that's all right. The chairs and floor you have made are more than comfortable enough. That's because you've never experienced the sweet embrace of a bed before. Well, that's true. I don't exactly have anything to compare the chairs and floor to. That's part of what makes this even worse. You deserve a bed to sleep on. I want you to finally experience what it's like to sleep on a bed. Not to mention that it would help my body recover faster. But I forgot all about it until now. I sighed and slouched over in my chair. To make matters worse, I felt stupid for feeling stupid. There I was, worrying about beds, when I should have been more worried about the fact that I'd be fighting a boss in one day. I might die. Guide might die. Mimic might die. We could all die, and everything might be permanently lost if I failed. There wouldn't be any escape or running away from the boss either. 
It needed to be fought, and I needed to win. If I didn't win... Yet, I was more concerned about the lack of bets. Was that my brain being stupid because of how sheltered of a life I lived? Something like not having a bed seemed like a way bigger deal than having to fight some giant monster? It was a very first-world problem. I probably wasn't cut out for the world I found myself in. Anybody would have been a better choice than me to fight for survival against monsters wanting to kill them, but... Guide wrapped her arms around me, hugging the side of my head against her chest. You are doing great, player. Please, have more confidence in yourself. Be prouder of what you have accomplished already. I cannot even begin to imagine what you must be going through. To have been forcibly taken from your world and brought here to one so different. But you've been working so hard ever since you arrived. You deserve to feel good about yourself. After all, nobody but you could have accomplished all of this. I may tease you about whether or not you're a hero, but you really are one. So, as my hero, I want you to have more confidence and to be more proud of yourself. That's a bit too much praise even for me to handle. Especially when I haven't even done anything that great yet, I said. As tempted as I was to try and get away from her just because of how embarrassed I felt, I wasn't going to deprive myself of something that I always wanted to experience. Then I'll keep on praising you until you've gotten used to it. Kite was something else. I was already thinking that, even if anybody else would have been a better choice than me. I wasn't going to throw away my opportunity and would still try my hardest. But hearing her kind words made me want to try even harder than I was already planning on. I'll do my best, I said to her. You already are, Guide replied. What I want is for you to do less and to rest. I promise that I will after the boss fight. I'll even be selfish and ask you to spoil me during my break so that I can be as lazy as possible. Guide chuckled a little when she heard that. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to when you ask me for a spoiling. Though... She paused, and held me even closer against her chest. Doesn't this already count as spoiling you? Actually, maybe this counts more as spoiling myself, if anything. And there went my heart again. And... And, and what's that supposed to mean? I was pretty sure I knew exactly what it meant, since I wasn't some dense idiot who couldn't recognize flirting. But I was somebody who was never really flirted with before, so I wasn't prepared to completely disregard the possibility of her just being nice. I wanted to have some actual confirmation. Who knows? Guide whispered, leaving me without any solid confirmation but a pretty strong implication. You said he wanted me to take it easy, but you're not making it easy for my heart to do that. Well, I suppose it is a good thing your muscles are what have been strained, not your heart. It's going to get strained at this rate. Oh, well, I wouldn't want that. That would just be... She paused. Unwrapping her arms from me and stepping away, 
Horrible. Don't you think? I feel like it's a lose-lose situation either way. At least I wasn't the only one blushing. Guide had a hint of red coloring her cheeks, which made me feel like less of a stereotypical virgin for getting flustered by her. However, when I noticed that Mimic was just sitting there watching us, I gave my pet a poke on the top of its body and asked, What do you think you're looking at? The next thing I knew, Mimic lashed its tongue out at me, wrapped it around my head, and yanked me out of my chair to bring me toward it. Needless to say, I blacked out as soon as my head crashed into Mimic's chest of a body. I felt a splitting pain in my head the next time that I woke up and opened my eyes. My health was still full, though, which made me curious about something. Was it possible to die even if my health didn't drop to zero? What would happen if, for example, my head got chopped off? Or what if a sword went through my heart? Could I die even with most of my health in place? If it was possible to feel realistic pain without taking damage to my health, then could I die without losing my health? More importantly, even though I opened my eyes, I couldn't see anything. And even though my head had the worst headache I ever felt before, I also felt something warm and soft against it. There was even a familiar scent that I recalled smelling shortly before I lost consciousness. There was also something across my chest. When I pulled my head back to look around, I noticed that I was on my back on the floor, and that it was Guide's arm draped over my chest. When I turned my head back onto its side, I saw that it was Guide's chest my head was being hugged against, and that Guide herself was asleep again. She must have stayed with me after I passed out. And, speaking of passing out, I remembered the final sight I saw before I did. My pet yanking me toward its body with its tongue. Looking around the room, I saw Mimic sitting in the corner, and that was when I discovered that it was possible for a chest to look depressed. Mimic's entire body looked droopy and reminded me of a dog that was scolded and forced to sit in their cage. As soon as Mimic noticed me awake and looking at it, though, it perked up and was about to jump, but I raised my hand to stop it and shook my head. Guide was sleeping, so I didn't want to disturb her and it was impossible for Mimic's hopping around to not wake people up, given just how heavy and loud it was. Instead, I carefully removed Guide's arm from my chest and... felt an incredible urge to just cuddle with her. But I couldn't. It wouldn't be right to cuddle with somebody in their sleep when we didn't have that sort of relationship. Then again... Didn't she basically do just that to me? So, if she did it to me, it was all right if I did it to her, too. Right? No, no. She was probably just staying with me and then fell asleep while watching me, then started cuddling me in her sleep. That was different from intentionally cuddling me while she was awake, even if it was a nonsensical world that shouldn't have existed, 
consent was still important. So, instead of embracing my desires, I stood up, walked over to Mimic, and picked it up in my arms so that I could carry it outside instead. There was no problem with letting Mimic hop around outside on the grass, but doing so on the wooden floor inside would just be too noisy. You can move again, I told Mimic, before looking up and noticing that it was almost nighttime. Mimic stuck its tongue out from its body again and hovered up in front of my face, pointing it at my head, but not touching it. It's all right. I know you didn't mean it, I replied. I wasn't sure if worrying about me was Mimic's intent, but I had a feeling that it was. To respond, Mimic slowly, carefully brought its tongue against my forehead and gave it a soft and gentle lick. Thanks for that. Now my head hurt and had Mimic's sticky drool on it, but I knew that Mimic had good intentions. With how late it's gotten, I guess it's a good thing I closed the wall up early. If I slept any later and hadn't done that, zombies would be able to walk right in. And, speaking of zombies, Mimic, want to do some zombie hunting tonight? Mimic hopped up and down in place, clearly excited. I haven't found any accessories that actually help me out yet, but zombies can drop one. Plus, they'll give us more money. Only problem then is the flying eyes. I don't doubt you'll be able to instantly explode every zombie around, but dealing with flying enemies might be difficult. I doubt my skills with the bow are good enough to shoot them down, but I might get some good target practice out of it. Actually, I have an idea. Do I have enough stone blocks left? Uh, good, that should be enough. All right, let's see if I can get this built before they start spawning. Mimic hopped in place again as I got to work. The plan was to build a tower within the walls, a tower that reached up to just over the height of the wall and had slots for me to shoot out of, and a roof to prevent any flying threats from attacking me from above. Now, in the cave, the idea of leaving slots in the wall to shoot at enemies didn't work, because they just swarmed through the holes. But the only flying enemies who would be able to reach me were the flying eyes. They weren't able to change direction very easily, and they moved in arcing patterns that made it difficult for them to come right at an enemy. So, while it was entirely possible that one might get lucky and come through one of the openings I left in the tower, that was where my next idea came into play. The flying eyes suffered way more knockback from the player than most enemies. Even just a weak attack was enough to send them bouncing away. So, if I saw an eye coming toward me, all I had to do was take my sword and stick it through the hole to let the eye impale itself on it. Would that work? I had no idea, honestly. The world sometimes behaved in a realistic way, which meant it should obviously really hurt if a flying eye flies straight into a sword. But the world also behaved like a game sometimes, which made things difficult to judge. Even though Mimic knocked me out and left me with a horrible headache, it didn't deal any damage to me. Yet a slime bouncing into my chest did a huge chunk of damage to me. 
It was a gamble. But I wasn't going to learn how the world worked unless I experimented with it. And besides, even if an eye got into the tower with me, I could always just run out of it to go hide inside the house until morning. As for the tower itself, it was pretty simple. The tower was built out of stone in a tall rectangular shape. The inside of it was hollow to save on materials, and I saved on materials further by using wood for the floor at the top of it. Then I built walls on three sides of the flooring, leaving the back facing the house open, and created an enclosed space with a stone roof. At each corner was a stone support to keep the roof held up, and the space between the corners was left open at the level of my head for me to shoot through. As for that open area behind me, I placed the door down to keep anything from getting inside from that direction, while also giving me a quick escape route if I needed one. Then there were some wooden stairs leading from the door down to the ground. All in all, it took about ten minutes for me to build. And it looked pretty ugly. But I was used to the things I made in creative games looking ugly. It was impossible for me to make things that didn't look ugly. And with that, I waited in the tower with my bow and arrows ready, my sword still equipped on my hotbar, which let it sit on my hip, while Mimic waited outside the wall with no way in. I felt kind of bad for sealing Mimic out there, but I didn't want to risk anything slipping by and getting inside the walls. Plus, there was no way that anything would be able to kill Mimic. All right, Mimic, I called out. The sky's pretty dark now, so get ready. Let's have a nice night of hunting monsters. At least, until I was tired enough to sleep. Mimic waved its tongue at me just in time for the first zombies to appear in the distance, crawling out through the ground just like in classic horror movies. Considering that they weren't simply able to spawn off-screen and then walk inside of it like in the original game, that made sense. We'll be back with more from Uncharted Territory right after this message. What if you could share your story with the world? What if you could inspire others with your passion, your message, or your vision? What if you had a team to help you craft the perfect story for your business or brand? Well, you can, and we at With Aim are here to make it happen. With Aim is more than just a podcast production company. We are your storytellers, your voice, and your partner in creating a podcast that will captivate your audience, showcase your brand's personality, and build a lasting relationship with your customers. So don't let your story go untold. Start your podcast today. Visit withaim.co slash podcast to learn more. That's withaim.co forward slash podcast. With Aim. Be the voice of your brand. I had to admit that I wasn't exactly all that comfortable killing monsters who looked like humans. Sure, there were zombies, and they were already dead, but they still looked like former people. Former men and women just like me. But still, they were zombies. Even if I was uncomfortable killing them because of their humanoid figures... The fact that they were undead zombies who lived off of human flesh made me comfortable enough to kill them. Or try to, anyways. The zombies shambled toward the wall in an attempt to reach me, 
even if I was impossible to reach, and them walking so slowly straight at me provided me with plenty of targets to practice firing my bow with, though it was kind of awkward shooting at them given how small the space I left for myself to shoot through was. It was doable, but made me feel pretty cramped. I was going to have to make the tower bigger the next time I wanted to do something like that. It also would have been smart to have the tower go beyond the wall by a block and then leave part of the floor open so that I could shoot down at any zombies who got stuck in the moat. I didn't think of that until a couple actually got stuck down there, though. Of course, they didn't stay stuck for long. Whenever there was a lull in zombie spawns up above, Mimic would return to try and get as close to me as possible, which sometimes resulted in it dropping down into the pit where the zombies were trapped. And each time that happened, the sound of zombies exploding into chunks of gore everywhere could be heard seconds later. Now, while I was sure that Mimic was fine, I still wished I could have seen its health. That, however, required an accessory sold by the Beastmaster. Equipping that accessory would place my active pet's health underneath my mini-map for me to keep an eye on. Without it, though, I had no idea what Mimic's health was at. There was something else bothering me. No flying eyes were spawning. That was somewhat of a relief, since it meant I could safely practice my archery skills without worrying about any flying enemies trying to get into my tower. But it was also cause for concern because they absolutely should have been spawning. I did, however, get noticeably better at firing my bow. I still wasn't hitting every shot, but I felt like I improved way faster than somebody realistically should have been able to. I started hitting almost every shot after just about an hour of practice against the zombies. That being said, I didn't kill a single zombie myself. They had too much health for me to kill with a bow. Or, rather, I just wasn't able to kill them fast enough. Every single time there was a zombie within my range, I could only get three arrows fired at most before Mimic would lock on and explode straight through the zombie. Sometimes Mimic would hop up to the front of the wall and look up at me while covered in zombie guts. The sight was... cute, in a disturbing way. And it was even more disturbingly cute the one time that Mimic slurped some zombie intestines into its body as if they were a noodle. I didn't want to let Mimic lick me anymore after that. Then, finally, a flying eye appeared. Normally, they would spawn at the same time as zombies. Maybe they spawned later on in the night in this world? Or was I just unlucky and unwanted to spawn? I wasn't sure but I was sure that I wanted to try shooting it. I aimed my bow and shot an arrow at it, managing to hit it straight on. But that didn't kill it. Mimic lunging through the air like a cannonball, however, did instantly kill it. My aim was improving pretty quickly, given that I could hit a relatively small flying target on my first try. And fortunately, after hitting its target... Mimic dropped straight down to the ground, rather than continuing flying off into the distance. More flying eyes were on the way, too. Maybe they only spawned after a certain hour of the night. They started spawning as frequently as I would have expected the flying eyes to spawn, 
and nothing changed aside from the time, so I couldn't think of any other explanation for it. The eye dropped some coins, but no iris. The iris items they dropped was meant to be collected and crafted into a boss-summoning item, but that wouldn't matter too much with the boss naturally spawning on its own after enough days. That aside, more eyes spawned in the distance to approach me in my tower. One of them even reached my tower due to Mimic being distracted by zombies, but the eye failed to actually get inside the tower. When it tried charging at me, it simply flew into one of the corner pillars by mistake, bounced back, and gave me an opportunity to shoot another arrow into it. And that one killed it. Between my tower and Mimic, farming monsters all night turned out to be one of the easiest things in the world. I did eventually run out of arrows, though, which meant I needed to just point my sword out through the openings I left for myself. Any time an eye approached the openings, all I had to do was swing my sword through the openings to knock the eye away. I might have been in trouble if the eyes coordinated and had better accuracy, but they didn't, so I remained safe throughout the night. Then, once morning rolled around and monsters stopped spawning, I opened up the wall to go and collect all the loot on the ground outside. That meant a bunch of zombie flesh and flying iris items got sucked into my inventory alongside whatever coins the monsters dropped, but none of those were what I was after. Instead, I was after one specific drop that managed to drop twice from the zombies. A chain necklace. According to the original game's lore, what limited amount of it that there was... The original zombies were experiments that were kept chained up in some secret, magical testing facility, which would actually be a dungeon later on in the game's progression. In this dungeon, zombies could be seen chained up by chains wrapped around their necks, keeping them in place. Therefore, some zombies dropped the necklace upon death, even though they weren't actually seen wearing the necklaces. And it didn't make sense for any random zombie to drop them, when only the very few original zombies were chained up. But nobody, myself included, cared about that technicality. All I cared about was the item itself. Chain Necklace. Accessory. Plus two defense. And that was it. It gave some more defense. That was all. While that might not have seemed like much, it was still an accessory to put in my empty accessory slots and also boosted my defense some more. Equipping it was as good as getting to equip some more armor. More importantly, there were a few different accessories that the necklaces could combine into, so getting duplicates of the accessory was great. For now, I equipped one of the necklaces as an accessory which caused the loose metal chain to appear around my neck. Duplicate accessories couldn't be equipped, so the other just sat in my inventory. That was one accessory down, and probably the only one I'd get before the boss battle, unless I tried my luck exploring caves until I found some non-mimic chests. It being morning meant that Guide came out from the house looking for me. She was great at following my order about staying indoors at night. She was also great at coming out to look for me as soon as she could since, apparently, she could detect that it was morning. Player! Don't tell me that you were up all night. 
Guide said, as soon as she came over to me and Mimic sitting down on one of the steps leading up to my watchtower. I was awake. Plus, I wanted to farm some zombies, and then I didn't want to risk getting ambushed by eyes leaving my tower here, so I may or may not have been up this whole time. (laughs) I answered. Got this out of it. I looped a finger behind my necklace and gave it a little jangle. That means more defense for me, which means more safety for me. Guide pouted a little, but she gave in and sighed. (sighs) Well, I think you should have tried to get more sleep, but I suppose it's all right. You can get some later. Trust me, I plan on it. Uh, By the way, I've been meaning to check some things with you. Yes? Do you still know all the crafting recipes? Have you ever wondered what the band ACDC has to do with the missing town of Doveland, Wisconsin? Or who gets to decide what music plays at the end of the world? Or whether or not the largest unsolved art heist in history was actually a cover for a different crime? Maybe you haven't wondered about these things, but that's okay. On 31, we dive into strange, true, but often lesser known stories and the interesting theories that surround them. From space to sports, lost media to internet lore, 31 has something for everyone. Find 31 on your favorite podcast platform and dive into the why behind the weird with me, Quinn Lovecraft. 31, the why behind the weird. Off, off the top of my head? Well, in the game, you'd pull that book off from your side and open it up whenever asked about crafting recipes. Ah, ah, ah. I have to admit, your response is kind of worrying. It's probably better for you to see it for yourself. Guide picked up the large book strapped to her side and held it over to me. I took it from her and opened it to the front page. Only to see nothing. Next page, nothing. No matter how many pages I flipped through, I didn't see anything. I guess whoever's responsible for this doesn't want to let me have an easy way out and wants to test my memorization of all the recipes, I said and sighed. That sounded like nonsense, but it was the best explanation for what was going on. I'm... I'm sorry, Guide said. The one use I used to be best for, I can't help with at all anymore. All this means is that we've got to fill the pages up ourselves. What? It's an empty book. What use does an empty book have if not for writing in? Look, it even has a quill. So you can write whatever you want inside of it. Maybe record what items I get and what combinations we know of, if you'd like the book to be like it used to be. I like that idea. All right. We'll start with some slime and wood. I dropped a single one of those each out from my inventory, spilling them out from their growing stacks. Guy didn't waste any time getting to work with her new recording duty. I felt like enjoying the grass for a bit longer, so I just lay there and watched while she drew a picture for each of the items in her book and then a simple description for each. Then, once she was done, she sounded significantly more excited than I would have expected her to sound. player Yeah? I replied. Look! I leaned up to look at what she wanted to show me, and what she wanted to show me was the opened book. 
and a list of crafting recipes on the page next to the two items she wrote down. Everything made using wooden logs on their own, as well as everything made from a combination of wooden logs and slime, now showed up in her book. Not only that, but a bunch of grayed-out options showed up as well. The problem was that each recipe, which didn't have every known ingredient recorded, only showed a silhouette and no name for what they made. Furthermore, it looked like only recipes where at least half of the required items were recorded showed up. But still, that was progress and new information. See? You just have to believe in yourself, I told Guide. Have some more faith in yourself. You're more than useful to me. Guide couldn't stop smiling. <laughs> I'll do my best to record everything, then. If this is what I can do to be useful to you, then I will do it to the best of my ability. Looking through the listed recipes, I spotted one that called for wooden logs, slime, and then two more ingredients. One of the unknown ingredients clearly had the silhouette of a torch, but I wasn't sure about the other one. More importantly... The silhouette for the item crafted from the four ingredients looked extremely familiar. And it looked like a gun, too. Here, I said, dropping a torch out from my inventory. Record this for me real quick. Guide nodded and got to work. Surely enough, once she was done recording the torch's info into her book, that torch-shaped silhouette got colored in and displayed that it was a torch. The item those four ingredients crafted had to be the flamethrower I wanted. All I had to do was find out what the fourth item was. The flamethrower was supposed to be a very easy weapon to get. It was a pretty weak weapon, but it was one of the best available until the first tier of boss items, or mid-tier ore weapons. The fourth item also looked pretty rectangular-shaped. What was available early in the game... Before bosses, that was rectangular-shaped. Wait, am I being stupid? I asked. I doubt you ever are, Guide answered. No, I'm pretty sure I'm being stupid. I went into my inventory and took one of the spare iron bars I'd left and dropped it for Guide. Up for another recording? The more items I gave Guide to record in her book the happier she looked. Guide proceeded to record the iron bar into the book, and it was at that moment that I felt really, really stupid. In my defense, I was more of a vanilla guy. I had some experience with mods, but not enough to have everything memorized. So part of me doubted that something like a weak but decent-for-its-availability flamethrower could be made with such simple materials but modders rarely knew how to balance things. With all the required items recorded, the result of the recipe was officially revealed, with its name and stats included. Makeshift Flamethrower Damage 1 Ingredients Wooden Log X-20 Slime X-25 Torch X-1 Iron Bar X-3 Unable to feel any more stupid than I did, I walked over to the anvil, did what needed to be done, and walked back over to Guide. Player? Guide asked, as I just sort of stood there in silence. That 
was when I unveiled my latest creation to her, pulling out the makeshift flamethrower I just made. To demonstrate, I aimed it at the stone wall, pulled the trigger, and fired flames. Slime was shot out through the iron tank on the top of the wooden frame, and this slime passed through the torch at the front of the gun to light it on fire. It had barely any range to it, but that didn't matter. Only one thing really mattered. I looked at Guide, unbelievably proud of myself, and said, I have a flamethrower. Thanks for joining us on this thrilling episode of Uncharted Territory, a gamer's adventure beyond the screen. We hope you were captivated by the mind-bending fusion of virtual and real that unfolded before your very ears. Get ready for the next chapter, where we'll plunge even deeper into unexplored dimensions, encountering secrets and perils that will test our hero's mettle. Before we part ways, we have a special recommendation for all our adventurous listeners. If you're craving another gripping story, be sure to check out Shattered Bonds. This captivating podcast follows the extraordinary journey of the Henry brothers, two polar opposites who are brought together on a road trip to New York following their father's death. With tensions running high and a revealing family secret, their path to redemption is both heart-wrenching and inspiring. Don't forget to subscribe to Shattered Bonds along with Uncharted Territory on your favorite podcast platform, ensuring you never miss a moment of these enthralling narratives. Thank you for joining us on another thrilling adventure of Uncharted Territory. The excitement, danger, and magic of Uncharted Territory continues to unfold, and we can't wait to share what's in store for our next episode. So, mark your calendars, because next Friday, we'll dive back into the game world for more action, mystery, and unexpected twists. Before we part ways, remember that your feedback and support keep this journey alive. If you have any questions, comments, or fan theories, Tweet at us at utpod-we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep exploring.